Hello, and welcome to the Wonka Vader Podcast. I am Owen Poindexter. Plenty to get through in this episode. I'm going to talk, of course, a lot about the Democratic National Convention, but there you never go more than a couple days these days without Donald Trump saying something completely insane. And we're going to talk about some of those things that he said. I, I won't have a whole lot of time to get to how he said, wind power kills all your birds. So I'll just mention that up top. Donald Trump doesn't like wind power because it kills all your birds. So I'll start by saying that I was in a diner a few days ago and I saw just up on the the television up in the corner, they had a some kind of generic news channel, probably one of the main ones, and Kizir Khan was being interviewed. And I took that as very good news. And I will explain why in a moment. Kizir Khan was the unexpected breakout star from the Democratic National Convention, which took place last week. So first, I want to talk about the rest of the convention, and we'll, we'll get to Khan in a moment. As I said in the last episode, conventions in these times are basically four-day commercials for your party and your candidate. They have a completely different historical function, which is that they were to decide the actual candidate up until, you know, maybe 40, 50 years ago. You, you could just show up at the convention having not run any primaries or caucuses and just say, hey, I think I'm the guy for the job. And so there was some of that tension going into the Democratic convention that maybe it's not a done deal. Just as there was going into the Republican convention, maybe they could take this away from Trump. The Bernie people were coming into the DNC with the thought that maybe they could somehow take this away from Hillary or make some big point. Or I, I honestly don't totally know what the goal was at, at that point. Of things, uh, Bernie Sanders himself certainly wasn't trying to win the nomination at that point. But day one of the DNC was was pretty rocky from the Democrats' perspective. Trump, uh, against all odds, given the sort of convention he had, was seeing something of a bump in the polls. He was polling around even with Hillary Clinton, which was fairly scary. And the Bernie people were being really rowdy and were were chanting over speakers that they didn't like, where, uh, you know, there are repeated chants of Bernie and, you know, more sort of protesty stuff. And things really came to a head when Sarah Silverman and Al Franken tried to do this kind of unifying moment where Al Franken said, you know, Al Franken's a very, very liberal senator, but he said, you know, I've been for Hillary this whole time. And Sarah Silverman said, I've been feeling the burn, but now we've united around Hillary and it's supposed to be this moment of unity. And the Bernie people were were as loud and as raucous as ever and were still chanting Bernie. And also, the allotted time for those two ended and they were still waiting for Paul Simon to get set up. And so... Uh, Al Franken and Sarah Silverman were forced to improvise, to, to stretch for time a little bit. And you'd think, both of them being trained comedians, this would be totally in their wheelhouse. But with all the chanting and screaming, they really didn't know what to do. And it was this very awkward, tense moment where Sarah Silverman started getting actively angry with the Bernie or Bust people. 
and Al Franken was just kind of standing there. Fortunately, that moment itself didn't really get highlighted in a big way coming out of the convention. It, there was uh, headlines on that first day about the Bernie or Bust people, but Michelle Obama kind of saved the day with just a, a wonderful speech about what it means to her to be a, a black mom in today's day and age and to see her, her kids playing on the White House lawn and to have Hillary Clinton be the first female nominee. It was just a, a lovely and elegant speech. And that helped transition into day two, where things started to kind of come together. Uh, Bill Clinton gave a, a, a nice speech that basically just told the story of his and Hillary's partnership and all the things Hillary had done since they met in law school, which is a good starting point to tell the story of Hillary, because that's the start of a lot of her activism, and you can trace her her work for children and for disabled people starting around then. And you, you see her, her care for certain communities and her action towards them starting then. And because there are a lot of different ways to deploy Bill Clinton. He could have just gone after Trump the entire time. That would have been a, a fair way to handle that as well. But uh, they, they chose to do things that way. And I, I thought it was an effective speech. And by day three, things were were very much unified, and Barack Obama gave what was just a mind-blowing speech, I thought. I, I was totally blown away. It, it, had, it had sort of gotten used to the phenomenon of Obama giving amazing speeches, but this one got me in a way that few Obama speeches really have. And... Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and pick out a few sections that I thought were particularly effective. So after going over what he had accomplished in his eight years, you know, the, the economy got a lot better. They eventually got around to doing some stuff about climate change. They had the big health care law. They got some campaign, uh, not campaign finance, financial reforms uh, done. They, they started to wean themselves off, uh, ourselves off foreign oil. Uh, you know, didn't mention that that was helped along by the fracking boom, but, you know, it, it, it is true that we started to wean ourselves off foreign oil. And then he pivots to Trump. And this part, I thought, was was just incredibly effective. So first he says, look, we Democrats have always had plenty of differences with the Republican Party, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's precisely this contest of ideas that pushes our country forward. But what we heard in Cleveland, that's the Republican convention, what we heard in Cleveland last week wasn't particularly Republican, and it sure wasn't conservative. What we heard was a deeply pessimistic vision of a country where we turn against each other and turn away from the rest of the world. There were no serious solutions to pressing problems, just the fanning of resentment and blame and anger and hate. So a couple things about that section. One, it's calling out the Republican convention and Republican messaging these days for what it is, which is just a, a giant negativity fest, because if Democrats are doing fine, you know, why kick them out? Why turn it over to a crazy person if, if the sane people are, are basically doing what you want people to do with the government or if the government's working okay? 
what, why throw out the management that's pretty much doing the job? Also calls him out for, for just being very abnormal in how this whole thing is going. For, for not really having Republican ideas. For, for just being kind of raving lunatics, at least when it comes to Trump and the most Trumpian of his supporters. And then he, he talks about, you know, how great and accomplished Hillary Clinton is. And, and then he addresses Donald Trump directly. He says, and then there's Donald Trump and everyone boos. And he says, don't boo vote. And then everyone started chanting, don't boo vote, which was a delightful moment. And Obama says, you know, the Donald is not really a plans guy. He's not really a facts guy either. He calls himself a business guy, which is true, but I have to say, I know plenty of businessmen and women who've achieved remarkable success without leaving a trail of lawsuits and unpaid workers and people feeling like they got cheated. Does anyone really believe that a guy who spent his 70 years on this earth showing no regard for working people is suddenly going to be your champion, your voice? If so, you should vote for him. But if you're someone who's truly concerned about paying your bills, if you're really concerned about pocketbook issues and seeing the economy grow and creating more opportunity for everybody, then the choice isn't even close. If you want someone with a lifelong track record of fighting for higher wages and better benefits and a fairer tax code and a bigger voice for workers and stronger regulations on Wall Street, then you should vote for Hillary Clinton. The it isn't even close line is what really got me because that is a totally fair point for Democrats to make at this point. If it was, say, Hillary Clinton versus Marco Rubio, you would have a clash of ideas, and to me, that wouldn't be particularly close either. But at least you, it would be one set of ideas versus another. This is like one set of ideas versus a crazy person who just makes up facts as he goes. If you look at his issues page on his website... It's it's like seven things, and the, the biggest section is about the wall in Mexico and how Mexico is going to pay for it. You know, there, there's this big temptation to you know think about the swing voter and to take them seriously and say, yeah, yeah, no, I see why Donald Trump is appealing in certain ways, but Hillary Clinton is very experienced and you know just a more trustworthy person. And maybe you know we should have those voices in there as well. But I think it's. When you have someone who is clear and articulate and can make the case that this isn't close, then that's the case they should be making because this isn't close. This is a bizarro election where we either get someone kind of ordinary and competent and someone who's just been around politics and policy for a very long time, or we get someone who's not been around politics and policy at all. I guess Donald Trump has been around politics, but not around policy. And the, his venue into politics was strongly suggesting that Obama is secretly foreign. That was his gig for for a couple of years. Uh, another thing that Obama's speech did was it started to claim a lot of the space that has traditionally been Republican ideological territory over the last you know twenty thirty years. Uh, Obama he quoted Reagan. He quoted Teddy Roosevelt. He mentioned that his grandparents didn't like show-offs, which felt like a sort of conservative sentiment to me. And he referred to the party of Lincoln. And basically, he showed that he understands conservative principles in a way that Trump does not. Trump understands Republican bombast and is very effective at it. He understands attacking people. He understands insults. He understands television and media. 
but I don't think he really understands policy. I, I don't know how many people really claim that he does, that he really has a, you know, can he really get into any kind of discussion about something like charter schools or, um, or, or the effects of stimulus spending or, or anything like that? Anything that's, you know, two or three layers down into th- these issues that, that come up and, and let alone the issues that don't come up. All, all the stuff that legislators deal with that is kind of too boring for, for television. Does, does Trump even know about that stuff? All this stuff is more than okay to point out, and Obama did it very, very well. So that happened. There were also, of course, speeches by Joe Biden and Jill Biden, and there's a huge soaring speech by Cory Booker uh, about compassion, which was on day one and totally got lost in everything else, and I think should have been on day two or three. Uh, Elizabeth Warren gave a very fiery speech. Uh, Michael Bloomberg gave a surprisingly powerful attack on Donald Trump from the perspective of another New York billionaire, Leon Panetta, the former defense secretary, came out and explained why Donald Trump should not be anywhere near the nuclear codes. More on that in a bit. Not only on Panetta, on Donald Trump, the nuclear codes. And there is a, a woman who was a single mom. Her husband or partner was killed and she uh, basically made a big bet on Trump University. You know, this was, you know, was, uh, about a decade ago. Uh, she said, you know, I need to start making more money. I need job training. So she enrolled in Trump University and, you know, found out that Trump University was effectively a pyramid scheme. She spoke. And when you're watching the convention, all this stuff you know, feels engaging if it happens to be engaging and, and powerful. And it's hard to tell what is going to be the, the breakout moment, what's going to get a lot of media attention. Sometimes it's pretty obvious. Like in 2004, it was obviously going to be Barack Obama's speech. But you know, when you see the, the mom who got scammed by Trump University, you think, okay, maybe this is going to get reported on. When you see Cory Booker giving this huge soaring speech, you think, oh, yeah, maybe he's, you know, there's going to be a story about this tomorrow. None of that really got any media attention. What's gotten all the media attention is a man named Kizir Khan, who is the father of a, a soldier who died in Iraq as a Muslim family. He, he gave a very, it's just a two-minute speech, and it was very powerful, and it turned out to be kryptonite for Donald Trump. So Kizir Khan made, I think, two points that are really hard to rebut for Donald Trump. Uh, one of them, this hasn't gotten as much attention, but I thought it was a great moment. He, he says you know, to Trump, let me ask you, have you even read the United States Constitution? I will, glad you lend me, I will gladly lend you my copy. And he pulls out his own constitution. He had it in his jacket. And as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Donald Trump definitely has not read the U.S. Constitution. I cannot imagine someone of his temperament and his interests slogging through the you know, mostly boring U.S. Constitution that just kind of goes through a bunch of different laws and principles and 
more detail than most people have the patience for if they're not doing it for a class or if they're not uncannily interested in that kind of thing, which Donald Trump pretty clearly is not. So that, that was the, the first really powerful moment. But then the, the, real, the real punch was he was talking about, you know, oh, have you been to Arlington Cemetery? Have you looked at the graves? You'll see people of all races, all creeds, all faiths. And then he says, you have sacrificed nothing and no one. And this is something for Donald Trump, obviously prides himself on being a counter puncher and just a general of a puncher, <laughs> someone who insults and attacks at a moment's notice. And so he, he couldn't let this one go. But what does Donald Trump say to that? He was born rich. He, he basically has just leveraged being rich into everything he's done. And yeah, what has he, what has he sacrificed? What, what, what in Donald Trump's life can you say is something that is anything close to, to what th this, this man has, has uh, had to deal with? And there are ways of answering that if you're Donald Trump. I mean, one way is to talk about his brother who, uh, who, who died from drug and alcohol abuse. But you could also just have said that, you know, I, I will, I hope to never know the, the suffering that you've endured. And I, I want a st strong military that we take care of. And, you know, all the things that politicians say about the military. That's all Donald Trump had to say there. Instead, he's, he said that he has made sacrifices because he's created jobs, which basically makes no sense. Uh, Trump also suggested that Kizir Khan's wife, who was standing next to him throughout the speech, didn't speak because, you know, they're Muslim and maybe there's something about them being Muslim that means she's not allowed to speak which, um, you know, wasn't true. Uh, and also a spokesman for Donald Trump blamed the death of Kizir Khan's son on Obama for reasons that I heard once and did not bother to dig up again for this podcast, mostly because his son died in 2004 when Obama was an Illinois state senator. And while that is a powerful position probably does not affect U.S. military policy in a foreign engagement. And, and this is one of those things where it's like, of all the people you can attack, you, if, you can get into these kind of sparring sessions with all sorts of people and no one will really care. It'll eventually just kind of seem like you're all being petty or, you know, you're saying this thing and they're saying that thing and who knows what who's right and who's wrong or and Donald Trump just seems like he comes out the better of from those exchanges because he's so macho and willing to insult people and so confident about it but no one came out of this thinking that you know Donald Trump got the best of this this guy who, who's had, had to bury his own son who who fought for this country and one, one person who's made that point is Governor John Kasich. So I mentioned in the last episode that Ted Cruz can make the case that he never endorsed Donald Trump. He stood for freedom and liberty in the Constitution, even when 
their nominee didn't, and he chose his principles over the nominee, and this is, you know, very clearly a political calculation for his upcoming presidential run in 2020, John Kasich can totally make that case as well. Not so much that he believes in all the things that Ted Cruz believes in, but that he never backed a nominee who he could not agree with. And, you know, he's also setting himself up for a run in 2020, and I could actually see him having a, a pretty good shot at, uh, at both winning the nomination and at uh, defeating Hillary Clinton if he gets that far. Uh, so, he said, There's only one way to talk about Gold Star parents with honor and respect. Captain Khan is a hero. Together we should pray for his family. So that doesn't mention Donald Trump, but there's only one person who he's he's referring to there, I mean, other than Captain Khan himself, that is a clear response to Donald Trump. And it's becoming a real growing phenomenon that Republicans, even establishment Republicans, are turning against Trump, are either saying that they just can't agree. That's like the low level is, uh, I just can't get behind behind some of what he's saying. That still leaves plenty of room open for, but I am don't want Hillary Clinton to be president, so I'll vote for Donald Trump. But then there's the next level up of, I cannot endorse Donald Trump, or, you know, I, I will publicly come out against what he said. And then there's the highest level, which is going as far as to endorse Hillary Clinton. And Meg Whitman, who ran for governor of California as a Republican and who has raised a lot of money for Republicans, uh, went as far as to do that. And she said that she'll campaign for Hillary Clinton. She'll raise money for Hillary Clinton. And Meg Whitman is very much a sort of Mitt Romney-style Republican, you know, believes in in Republican principles from the business sense of things. So ironically, the kind of conservative that Donald Trump seems to be losing first. Religious conservatives, some of them, you know, he, he crosses so many lines for them. Others are, are kind of on board. They, they find that he's, he, he's fiery and cares more about his feelings than government stuff, and that, that really appeals to a lot of people. Whereas some people just want sober, prudent policymaking. And, you know, that describes Mitt Romney. And he, of course, has been trying to find someone to run against Donald Trump. Uh, There's even talk, even now, that Republicans are still preparing for Trump to either drop out or to somehow have him not be the nominee. I'm pretty sure this is not going to happen unless his polls just really tank. Even given, it's been a good week poll-wise for Hillary Clinton. She's up, you know, five, six points on average, sometimes as much as seven or eight in a lot of polls. But uh, but he would have to, it'd have to get to something like 30, 70 before Trump was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of here. This is, you know, the, the media is, is against me, so I cannot go on. So Meg Whitman endorsed Hillary Clinton, a New York congressman who's retiring, said that, you know, came out uh, publicly against Trump. And it'll be interesting to see if if polls keep being bad for Trump 
And it seems like there's very little upside to supporting Trump. We're going to have more and more of these Republicans who, who will say, oh, you know, I, I was never for this guy. I just can't get behind everything he's saying. I just don't think it's OK for our nominee to be representing himself in this way. And, and we could see a real split in the party between people who are like, you know, no, this is our guy. This is the the kind of person we want fighting for us. He's saying all the right things. You know, the people that nominated Donald Trump, he did get a whole, he got millions of votes. Let's not forget that. Or, or he could rebound in the polls and this could seem like a silly discussion. But that's very much on the table that the Republican Party splits in two in a very visible way. And Donald Trump, for his part, you know, when Republicans have been you know, shunning him and turning their backs on him, he turns his back right back. Yeah. Uh, so uh, recently, so Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, basically the other person who is leading the Republican Party, has a primary on Tuesday. And in normal world, Paul Ryan either doesn't have a primary challenger or destroys his primary challenger without trying. There are a uh, there are some Trump campaign people who have split off to try to defeat Paul Ryan in his primary on Tuesday. It's probably not going to happen. Apparently, Paul Ryan is still very well liked in his district and visits there often. And it, it just doesn't seem likely that Republicans would kick out the Speaker of the House, who hasn't even been in that position very long and is, is pretty popular. But ever since Eric Cantor, the majority leader, got bounced by a, um, a Tea Party challenger, which I won't get into how little sense that makes from a Tea Party perspective, because <laughs> we've, we've got to wrap this episode up at some point. But anything's possible. And, and we're already, like, several miles into crazy town. But if that happens, then we will have gotten lost in crazy town. That We will be in crazy town and we won't know how to get out. I, I guess we don't really know how to get out now, but at least we kind of can see the border to Normalville. Maybe, maybe can we see the border? If Paul Ryan loses, then we definitely can't see the border to Normalville. So um, <laughs> the reason I started talking about that is because Donald Trump refused to endorse Paul Ryan for his primary on Tuesday. I, I doubt he could name Paul Ryan's primary challenger, but he said he's just not there yet for in terms of endorsing Paul Ryan. And those particular words are significant because they echo the words that Paul Ryan used a couple months ago when he said he was just not quite ready to endorse Donald Trump as the Republican nominee, even when it became clear that he was going to have the votes to become the Republican nominee. So Donald Trump does not care about, you know, these slightest inkling of political calculation he also uh, remembers that slight. Even though Paul Ryan came around, he had this very public meeting with Donald Trump, where eventually he endorsed him. Paul Ryan, who basically is doesn't agree with anything that Donald Trump, his entire way of doing things and a lot of his policies, Paul Ryan still came around and endorsed him because he thought it was the right thing for his party and, and for his policy goals. Uh, because Paul Ryan actually has policy goals, unlike Donald Trump, who mostly just has Donald Trump goals. Anyway, Paul Ryan did something that was far from ideal from Paul Ryan's perspective because he thought it was the right thing to do. 
whereas Donald Trump still remembers when Paul Ryan didn't endorse him and was able to effectively quote that non-endorsement in his non-endorsement of Paul Ryan. Uh, did the same thing for John McCain. John, John McCain, who uh, endorsed Donald Trump, even after Donald Trump said that John McCain was not a war hero. And you can say a lot of things about John McCain, but John McCain refused to be let go from the Vietnamese prison where he was being held until all of his other, the soldiers who were with him were let go as well. From what I can tell here, the principle at play is that if you've said something less than kind about Donald Trump in the recent past, then you might not get his endorsement. He's maybe just not ready. What Donald Trump is about is Donald Trump. And if you are not on board with Donald Trump, then why would he endorse you? And there's an interesting developing dynamic between Republican senators who are in tough races and Donald Trump, because right now Donald Trump is very unpopular. The latest round of polls has him down between four and 15 points to Hillary Clinton, which is a lot. If the election were held today, Hillary Clinton would definitely win. And all that needs to happen for Hillary Clinton to win is for those numbers to basically stay the same over the next few months. There are nine Republican senators in seats considered to be vulnerable this election, one Democratic senator. And Democrats need four of those if Hillary Clinton wins, five if Trump wins to take back the Senate. So it could really swing either way. And if Trump continues to be as unpopular as he is, it's going to make sense for Republican candidates to vocally be against Trump, for him to run the other way, from the run the other way from Trump. I actually saw an ad from Mark Kirk, a vulnerable senator from Illinois, which of course is very blue, and he's a Republican, all about how he disagrees with Trump on a lot of things, how he is not Donald Trump. Donald Trump does not represent Mark Kirk. And so, you know, Mark Kirk, I'm sure he's got some money to work with, but ad dollars are precious. And he's currently decided that the best use of his ad dollars is to publicly disagree with the top of the ticket. That could be a, a, a move that makes more sense for more and more vulnerable Republicans if Donald Trump stays as unpopular as he is, especially in these swing states. And that'll be interesting to see how that plays out because, again, you say something unkind about Donald Trump, he is likely to say something unkind back. And so we are seeing an interesting growing split in the Republican Party. And it's good that Donald Trump is as unpopular as he is because he's not just a clown that should never have gotten this far, even though he's definitely that. He is a uniquely dangerous human being right now. Uh, Joe Scarborough of Morning Joe fame, former Republican congressman who has a morning show on MSNBC, said on air that a military advisor to Donald Trump, who this advisor has not been named, it'll be interesting to see if this ever comes out, uh, was talking to Donald Trump and three times over the course of an hour, Donald Trump said, if we have nukes, why can't we use them? This, this was a, a real sticking point for Trump. We've got these nukes. There's problems in the world. Why can't we nuke the problems? 
And I think in Donald Trump's view of the world, somewhere in the Middle East, there's just a circle that says ISIS on it. And if you want to get rid of ISIS, you just nuke the circle. Problem solved. Not worrying about how that would be mass murder on a scale the world has rarely seen, or that that would be the greatest recruiting tool in the history of terrorist recruiting tools. Uh, not worrying about any of those. It's just like, we got a problem, it's over there, we got nukes, presto. That apparently is how Donald Trump thinks. For all those who are like, yeah, he's just doing this to get elected, and, you know, then he'll, like, go back to being a 90s Democrat. There are, I think, very few signs of this. So, Donald Trump's a madman. We should all work to stop him. That means working to elect Hillary Clinton. And thank you for listening to this now suddenly terrifying episode of the Walkvader podcast. I'd love it if you subscribed on iTunes, uh, rate and review, because that helps other people find the podcast, and have an excellent day.